0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Another week, Dusty, another week closer to actual football. Do you realize we are less than two weeks away?
2: So close now. And it's it's starting to feel that way too, just with the, you can see, you can feel the calm before the storm kind of thing going on. And uh we are really looking at this team and we're trying to glean for as much information as we can. And uh it's all fun. You know, obviously we would love to see and hear more from practice and, you know, have some more details on, on certain things, but it's a fun time where you're really trying to figure out uh, what the depth chart's going to look like. And, and who's doing what? Uh, so, yeah, this is, this is a beautiful time of year.
1: It, it really is. And this last week or so, Dusty, I was in State College last week. So bumping into people. Um, I had an event at my house, friends and family. So there's some Penn State football talk going on. People are excited about this team. They are really anxious for this season. And I think rightfully so.
2: I do too. And just as a, as a teaser, I think we're going to get into some of those big topics about expectations and about hype and uh, whether this is a playoff team, whether it is a Big Ten title team, we're going to do a little round of buy or sell on a number of preview type topics. And that's one of them. So I'm not going to get too much into where I stand on those because I I want you to be teased and not get the full meal on, on this thing now. But yeah, I think you should be excited. I think there's reason to be to have expectations. I think, you know, you go into this season, like I can't think of a, a season where uh are you know the expectations should be this high under James Franklin. Even when they when they did win big in 2016, preseason expectations weren't that high. So this is a really good group and a really exciting group. And if they're as businesslike and and uh, purposeful as it seems like they are, there's a lot of possibilities in play.
1: There are, and UTs. What we're going to hit later on in uh, quarters three and four. Prior to that, we're going to take a look at this Bruce Feldman's freaks list, and it's really fun because there's so many Penn State players there. Before we get to those topics, though, Dustin, let's just hit a couple quick news items. We hadn't had a commitment in a while. We get one. For the class of 26, the class of 26, Messiah Mickens from down in your area, Harrisburg area, he's a class of 26 running back, he is a top prospect, probably the best prospect for that class in Pennsylvania, and Dustin, he's only had his freshman year playing, he's got offers from so many of the big schools already, This is a huge get, yet they got to hold on to him for more than two years before they could get his actual commitment.
2: But it's still a very
1: good sign, isn't it?
2: I mean, it's a good sign in a lot of ways. You know, if if Messiah Mickens was from Georgia or something, and the idea of of surviving three more years of of holding on to the commitment, it would be a little bit more daunting. You know, Trinity High School is about two minutes from me. It's about an hour and a half from State College. Uh, I think it being an in-state thing, it being a running back thing. So in- unless there's, and obviously anything can happen in coaching. So if you have like James Franklin and Jaywan one Sider make it through the 2026 season together and, and nobody leaves or takes other jobs, it looks like Messiah Mickens is solid enough to, to, to bank on it. Um, Jordan Hill, uh former Penn state player is his head coach at Trinity. Mike Maude is going into his first season. I think is as defensive coordinator at Trinity. So there's Penn state ties there and Messiah Mickens called it uh, his dream school. So there's some significant enough, I think connections there to think that it's not a fluky thing. It kind of came out of nowhere, but if you look at what the coaching staff did, you know, there were multiple, you know, they can't really get into a lot of detail, but there were multiple celebratory Twitter posts uh, about this commitment, you know, when it went out. So I think there's some genuine excitement Inside that Penn State football building, about what Messiah Mickens could mean to the future. You know, he's 5'10, and depending on where you look, about a buck 95, 200 pounds. He's already running back size. Uh, he looks like he just gets it at the position. His film reel from his freshman year shows him in pass protection and a number of reps blocking, uh, shows him taking reps at wide receiver. He's just a really good athlete. Uh, who's got some jets on him, who looks like he just feels at home at the running back position. And as you mentioned, you know, he's got three more seasons of high school football to develop physically, to develop on the football field, to get faster. I mean, there's a a long, long way to go, but the promise is so real for him. The only batch of 2026 recruiting rankings out there right now is 24-7 sports, and there he's the number 30 player overall in the nation and the number one player in Pennsylvania. They've got him ranked as an athlete, but listed as a running back. Uh, I don't see him playing any other position besides running back. But kind of like Quentin Martin, he's got that dual purpose uh, role that he could play when he gets to Penn State, which is still, again, a long, long time down the road. It is a long time down the
1: road but it's nice to see Penn State bringing in the number one guy or the top guys coming out of Pennsylvania. Speaking of top guys, one other news tidbit. Apparently, Dustin, while we weren't looking, high school football started up, and a little bit earlier coming in, Class of 24 quarterback Ethan Grunkmeyer, the legend continues to grow. When he first committed to Penn State, He wasn't that highly ranked. He did all kinds of great things during the offseason. He had his first game of the season. Dusty, 444 yards passing, four passing touchdowns, completed almost 80% of his passes, also had 80 yards rushing and a rushing TD. Have a day, Mr. Grunkmeyer.
2: It doesn't slow the um, the good vibes and the feelings and, you know, the, the thought that maybe he can make a Drew Aller type ascent. Uh, it hasn't happened to that scale yet, but he's definitely risen big time uh, nationally. So, you know, the, the number that really jumps out to me, and I said this when we were talking off air too, is to complete almost 80% of your passes in a high school game. It's just a hard thing to do. Obviously, it requires accuracy on your part but it also requires, you know, teammates who aren't division one prospects to make catches on balls that you're throwing um, to run the right routes and things like that. That's a pretty good number. And um, you know, I think, you know, James Franklin talked about Jackson Smolik a couple weeks ago being a surprise at camp because he has such a natural feel for the position. I feel like grunkmeyer has got that same kind of thing going, except he's more physically talented. So he's got a good feel. He's got a good talent level. He can make a lot of different throws. Uh, he's not Drew Aller in terms of, you know, knock your socks off with the size and, and strength of his arm or whatever, but he looks like a quarterback through and through, and those are pure quarterback numbers there. Uh, Yes, just fantastic
1: numbers. We'll see how that goes through the season. All right, Dusty, after we've blown through half of our first segment, let's get to (laughs) our actual topics. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about this uh, Bruce Feldman, his freaks list. It's always a fun article he puts together. I think he puts 100 guys on it. It's not the 100 best players. It's the 100 most freakish athletes that he sees. And Penn State ended up with more guys on this list than anybody else.
2: What message does that send you? Well, I think there's a lot of different stuff that goes through my head about this. Because Penn State is not often getting recruiting classes that are above what? Like the top 12 in the country? we're not talking about the, 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 you know, upper echelon of the upper echelon in terms of yearly recruiting rankings. So to me, it's like, I think, and I said this on the show before, like I think where the coaching staff has gotten to uh, in their evaluations of guys is that they're looking for, you know, these physical qualities in players uh, and they're almost insisting on seeing them firsthand to verify them and not taking kids word for them so much. But um, what they're looking for and what they're getting and why they're getting it. I think there's a more continuity on that front than ever. Um, And, and the coach and and the, the strength and conditioning staff too, you know, Dwight gone, Dwight, Dwight, Dwight Dwight is a couple of years gone. Uh, Chuck Losey is taken over there. There seems to be no, you know, missteps there. There's no gaps. There's no learning process. It's like whatever was going on before Chuck Losey has taken it and kind of taken it to the next level. So the strength and conditioning staff obviously deserves some credit. You know, Penn State has, has continued to churn out these guys. And um, I think there's just something to be said about how they're recruiting and evaluating and then what they're doing in the weight room and why they're doing it in the weight room is, is really uh, at, at an elite level because they're not getting guys who are necessarily elite. And some of these freaks were not elite coming out. Uh, Jordan Vandenberg was not elite coming out. Olu who wasn't elite coming out. Um, Abdul Carter was really, really good. Zane Durant really, really good, but they weren't elite prospects coming out. They're getting guys for the right reasons and they're developing them, you know, on a really good plan and trajectory. So that's what it seems to say to me. And then I think to me, it's like, Difference makers. They've got difference makers. And and some of these guys that are on the list from, from Bruce Feldman are were not guys that we consider difference makers. So it's like, okay, I mean, how do these guys fit in now? So Penn State physically and their athleticism and their talent level is as high as ever. It It's not on Ohio State's level from 1 to 85, but they're good enough to win games against really good teams, and they've got the athletes to do it. Yeah, I
1: think that's the message for Penn State fans is that they – have folks that can now physically compete with and compare to Ohio State. And you made the great point when you, if you go one through 85, that Penn State probably does not have that depth of athlete that you're going to see at Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, the big three. And we know that, but that's okay. Last I saw, the rules of football are you only have 11 guys on the field at the same time, Dusty. So, you know, it's kind of like, I know he's not on this freakish list, but Drew Aller at quarterback, you just need one quarterback to hit. And as we saw with Sean Clifford, that guy could be your quarterback for the next seven years, right? So you don't need to have, you know, a number two, three, and four quarterback that are also freaks. I know you want depth on your team also, but that's the thing. I've been saying it for a while. The difference between Penn State, and Ohio state and those other teams we mentioned is having those elite players. And now Penn state has them all over the field for this season.
2: And I think they've got more, uh, you know, they, they've got guys exactly where they want them to. They've got their, their ends where they want them size wise. They, they they've accomplished a lot and achieved a lot of uh, their goals when it comes to putting this roster together. and, they're big, they're fast, they're long, they're quick where they need to be quick. Uh, they've got the physical, explosive guys. Uh, and it goes deeper than these six players that are mentioned on the freaks list. But this is a really athletic team and maybe Penn State's most athletic team under James Franklin. And as, a, as such, going back to what you said earlier, expectations should be pretty high for them.
1: It definitely should be, Dusty. We've gone through our setup for the freaks list. Next segment We're actually going to hit the names on that freak list. Stay tuned for that.
2: Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lions Den which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today.
3: Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub Set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, But our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee
1: rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dustin Smith. I am Jim Galante. Our quarter number two is brought to you by our good friends at GoPSURV.com. Yes, that's time to talk about them. We're headed to the football season. If you're looking for a place to stay, when you get into state college, you're tired of those crazy hotel rates. Get yourself a tailgate weekend. get in there Friday, stay through Sunday. They have the fire pits. they have you could get the uh, they have the pavilion with the projection TV, all this great stuff. If you're looking for a place to stay, Go to gopsurv.com, and Mark informed me they've got a special deal going on for both the Indiana game or the Rutgers game. You can get $400 off your RV for those games, so check it out. Go to gopsurv.com. All right, Dusty, we set things up in the first quarter, talking about Bruce Feldman's freaks list, and you know what? I was planning on going in order, but you and I had a little conversation between segments. There's some obvious names here. You know, you hear Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter. Yeah, of course, they're freaks. I want to go to the two probably surprise names, which was Jordan Vandenberg, who's actually at number 15 on this list, and Zane Durant, number 38. I don't think anybody would have expected to see those names, and to add to it, what position do they play? Dusty, by the way, I
2: forget. Those are defensive tackles, my friend. Both of them, and they are. You know, the, yeah, they are. and the I
1: thought the, Penn State doesn't have any athletes there.
2: Man, I we've been. This has been. I don't like. I don't know if I've been critical necessarily, but I've been very, very skeptical of Penn State's defensive tackles. And I've gotten, you know, like some feedback from people through this Avenue and for, you know, through Penn live as well saying that maybe I shouldn't be so skeptical. And and I think as the off season continues to wind down, training camp winds down and you see stuff like this with Jordan Vandenberg and Zane Durant, who neither of whom are likely to be starters for Penn state. If these are depth guys and they're two of the top 38 freaks in America, um, I, th- I, I think I'm, I'm starting to become less skeptical when I see Hakeem Beam and I see, and, and you can feel the buzz surrounding him. You know, when, when you've got Jordan Vandenberg who there have been some teasers out there from Penn state about, uh, his strength and how uncommon it is. And we've known Zane Durant to be exactly how he's described by Bruce Feldman, uh, where he is not the biggest guy, but he's, he's fast and he plays bigger you know, you you start to get a good feeling about this group as a whole. And James Franklin has expressed optimism, positivity about this group as a whole. Maybe I've been overly skeptical. This is and I that's exactly what I thought. That's my number one takeaway when I see these six names on this list. Is like, wow, two reserve defensive tackles at Penn State are on this list. We're not talking about Kazai Izzard, Hakeem Beaman, Devon Ellis. We're talking about guys who are not exactly like uh, they're on the radar, but not primetime names, you know, maybe I'm not acknowledging Zane Durant as being uh, potentially as good as he could be uh, in 2023. So yeah, I mean, uh, not that you draw a lot of like firm, hard conclusions that are meaningful in football necessarily, but you know, two reserve defensive tackles being on this list, I think is pretty significant.
1: I, I do too. It doesn't mean everything dusty. But it does mean something. Yeah. And as you pointed out, these aren't necessarily the starters that you're going to be most dependent on. Who knows, though? Maybe they will be by the end of the year. And there is also like Zane Durant coming out of Florida and coming up to Pennsylvania. I think sometimes a guy can get lost, those Florida guys, because there's so many of them that are highly rated in Florida. Yeah. And then you got Jordan Vandenberg coming from what South Africa by way of I don't know some northwest south central I, Iowa yeah. junior college.
2: Man, I mean, so Penn. Penn I, you, you, it felt like Penn State was really excited to get him uh, when they did uh, in in the recruiting process, and now you kind of see why. Like his his background's interesting. Uh his his numbers jump off the page at you, you know, the the freaky numbers in, in the weight room, as Bruce Feldman says, benched 455. I think that's what we saw. He cleaned 380, back squatted 690. Those are, if you move the decimal point a couple places, those are about what I do in the weight room. Um, <laughs> and his agility is pretty good. 474 in the 40 for a guy who's six three, about three hundred and change pounds. I mean, this is not a guy who's who's not physically capable of having a really nice year. So if Jordan Vandenberg, if these numbers translate and Zander Durant's numbers translate, Penn State's going to be just fine at defensive tackle. I don't know for sure whether they're going to, but I mean, it's pretty fun to think about.
1: It, it really is. And so, Dustin, continuing the trend to do two of the names at a time, we did the pair of defensive tackles. Now, let's do the two names, Chop Robinson and Abdul Carter, who... I don't think we could be surprised of either one being on the list. If there's any surprise here, it's that Abdul Carter, I'm going to complain that he's way down at number 43. Whereas Chop Robinson's at number nine and the theme for the two of them, Bruce Feldman compares both of them to Micah Parsons.
2: Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's the hot comparison now. Uh, I think Saquon was a pretty hot comparison, Uh, Before, I think there are some others like comparing to LaVar, if you're wearing number 11, that's a pretty hot one. Um, Both these guys so chop Robinson, pure defensive end. uh, You know, I talked to uh, um, a previous defensive line, John Scott. Uh, he, see, uh, gone, gone and forgotten, right? They they moved on from John Scott Jr. and that, and now I forgot his name. Uh, and I'll, I'm also I'm, I'm 41, so I forget more now. But anyway, Chopper Robinson, just stuff you can't teach: hips bend, explosiveness, step, quick step, uh, twitch. You know all that stuff that that you want in your defensive end. He's got it, and I think last year he showed he knows how to play football. So him being in the top 10 and testing as well as he did. Not a, a big surprise for me, yeah. I mean, I think Abdul Carter, like, he plays more freaky than he is freaky, as, as like, this one way I would put it. Uh, the thing that really jumped out to me early and still is that, uh, for a guy who's as big as he is, uh, he has always played downhill, he's always played fast, he knows where he's going, he knows why he's going there. What makes him such a special player is he can wreck things in coverage, going sideline to sideline. Uh, run blitz, pass blitz. He can get into the backfield. I mean, the, the thing that really separates him is his ability to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. You've got some really good linebackers. Curtis Jacobs doesn't make the plays that Abdul Carter makes, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, which is why we're talking about him and not, not Curtis Jacobs. So the, these guys uh both are going to be heavy in that pass rush presence. And it's going to be a big, significant thing for Penn State's defense. So uh, I think... Maybe Adisa Isaac would be there if they expanded the list a bit. Uh, maybe Denai Dennis Sutton will be on this list next year. Uh, you don't know, but they've got some pretty freaky pass rushers. Only two of them are on the list, though.
1: And a couple of quick thoughts from me on these two guys. It's easy to talk about Abdul Carter, size, strength, speed. But he's also he's quick, which is different than speed. And part of being quick is his ability to anticipate, he makes his decisions very quickly. He'll wait, 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 boom, when it's time to go after the quarterback. He's like shot out of a can, and it's wonderful to watch, and sometimes you can't appreciate it until you watch the replay of the play. And as far as Chop Robinson, I actually think the guy is underrated. Again, if you focus on him, like if you watch a replay of a game, focus on him every play. He does something every play, Dusty. He may not get in the stat book, but he's getting. He's beating his guy. They have to double team him. He's a factor, it feels like, on every play. And just to add to it, when he came in, he's called Chop. It was short for he was called Pork Chop. Anyone called Pork Chop, I'm for you. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. If,
2: if, if you're, if you're a fatty meat reference, you're my favorite player. Uh, I, I want to, if, if nacho, nacho, taco, steak, burrito, if, if those guys are on the field, I'm rooting for them too.
1: Exactly. Thank you. Dusty, you get me. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. We've been talking defensive players, Dusty. Let's go to the other side of the ball. And, I don't think any surprises here with either one of these two. Also Nick Singleton, the highly regarded running back who, if anything exceeded expectations and left tackle, Olu Fashinou, who was, as you mentioned earlier, he was the three-star prospect who he's going to be not just a first round draft pick, He's going to be near the very top of the draft next year, Dusty.
2: Well, I want to shout out, you know, your guys, the for the bloggy guys, um, they do some Awesome video analysis. And they did a really Thank good you. video analysis. Uh, Coach Kaduti, who you, you know, you talk to frequently, did a video analysis of why Olu fashionu is so good. And this is where the athleticism, the freakiness, the the balance, the footwork, the you know, the ability to not be perfect on a play, but still be freakish enough that he can recover and doesn't have to be in perfect position to get there. He can grow into the job by by continuing to fine-tune and being better be in better positions, but he is so so freakish and it shows up on the field like what he did last year was not a fluke at all Uh, for him to have gotten bigger stronger faster you can assume more technical it really bodes well that he's going to be truly dominant back up the expectations and the hype maybe and then some and if he is better this year than he was last year you could be looking at you know a top five type player and I don't know when did uh, Saquon aside when did Penn State really have a top guy when did Penn State really have you know a dominant offensive lineman like this and it might just be kind of that thing that ushers in a new era for Penn State uh, offensive linemen
1: I, I think you're right it's it's been a long time but there was an era where Penn State's offensive line and showing my age again Dusty 94 that was I think all five starters went into the NFL and then of course Nick Singleton he came in with high expectations and he met and exceeded them.
2: Yeah, and I think um, he, he's like Saquon in the way that he wants to be great in the weight room. He wants to be the strongest, he wants to be the most explosive. And then when he's on the field, you know, the five star ability that's great. But he's got five-star hunger to make a play happen. He's got aggression. He runs like it's his last time touching the ball. You know, there are, there are things about him beyond what shows up on this freaks list that make him even more freaky. It takes his freakiness to another level. And I and I think he got so much better. The for the blog, you guys did an, a, a nice video on how Nick Singleton got better from the beginning to the end of the year. It's going to continue. He's going to be better, more instinctive, and that is
1: dangerous, man. All right, very good. That concludes our freaks list, Dusty. And you teased it earlier starting in quarter three, we're going to play some buy or sell with Dustin. Stay tuned for that.
2: Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lions Den which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today.
3: Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub Set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, But our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee
1: rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystonesportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. He's Dusty, I'm um, Jim. And Dustin, we are going to play a little bit of buy or sell. Are you ready for that?
2: Yeah, this this is our way to kind of preview some themes for the season uh, in a different and hopefully somewhat bold way, you know, take a position on some of these key themes that we're hearing and and things like that. So that, that's what we're doing. And I always love doing this. It's been a while since we have, but I, I like this format, uh, being forced to take a position on something.
1: And Dusty, what I love about this is it gives me an opportunity to ask you the question, You give your opinion, and then I get a chance to tell you why you're wrong. I'd love that.
2: Yeah. I I, I suspect you're not going to be the Lord's advocate very often in this segment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no. In fact, some would argue that you'll be on the side of the angels, and I will not be. But let's hit—and you know where we're going to start, Dusty? We are going to start with what we were talking about between segments— Completely by coincidence, we were talking about the freaks on Penn State's team from the freak list. We are talking about Penn State's defense, which of course led to Manny Diaz' conversation, which led to the question, do we think he's going to stick around beyond this year? Because he's going to have opportunities, you know? And I was even mentioning it to you. I had a get-together at my house over the weekend. My nephew asked me that question. Do you think... Uh, you know, Manny Diaz will be around for more than one year. So that is the question, Dusty, are you buying or selling that this will be Manny Diaz's final season as Penn state's defensive coordinator?
2: So I'm buying this, um, as his last season. Um, I think it's a very real threat. Uh, and in order to buy it, I think you have to accept, um, a couple things to be true. Number one, that the defense is going to be as good, as effective, as explosive, you know, being able to create big plays the way that I think they're going to, and not only that, but I think for him to have his stock get elevated to the point where he's getting not just power five offers, but high power five offers, you know, we're I, I don't know where the the cutoff point is exactly, but looking at like SEC, um, Big Ten type type jobs, good jobs. Um, Manny Diaz, I think, you know, you think about when he got the Miami job and I know about how things ended there and, and how it went and all that, but he's arguably in a better position to be successful now than he was then. And he's got, you know, he's got Miami experience in addition to what he's got now. But I think not only are you, you're, you're subscribing to the notion that Penn state's defense is going to back up or exceed the hype, uh, which I think they, they very well will. And uh, I think you're buying that Penn State is going to be uh, a, a true Big Ten title slash college football playoff contender. If those things happen, I think Manny Diaz will get the types of offers and opportunities it's going to take for him to leave a coordinator position and get back to being a head coach again. You know, if Penn State's defense is as good as you think they're going to be, but Penn State somehow goes nine and four or something – then I think we might be having a conversation, but I think it's very real that that programs hire uh, guys from, you know, from primetime programs. And I think if you're a college football playoff team, you're a lot more appealing than if you aren't on a college football playoff team, no matter you know, whether you did the same job or not. So I think that that shine could be on Manny Diaz and, and, and get him out of there. So I, I feel like I'm buying that this is his last year. It pains me to agree with you, Dusty,
1: as you know, but I will agree with you on this. And I think Manny Diaz is a great candidate. He does have head coaching experience. I think sometimes these guys, they need that first job to get through it and I'm sure learned lessons from it. But I think it's really about what will the opportunities be. Some years there just are not any really good openings. I saw somewhere and it might have just been wishful thinking, you know, people throwing stuff against the wall, like Manny Diaz would be a candidate for the BC job if it opens up, which it very well could after this season. I don't think that's a good enough job, you know? I think he's got he should wait for a good enough job, and I think that will be the biggest variable uh for whether he would move on after this year. Speaking of which, if they're going to win like you talked about so that he gets the uh, attention of those big-time programs, Penn State's going to have to win either against Michigan or against Ohio State. They are going to need at least a split. And if they're talking about making the playoffs, they got to win at least one of those two games, Dusty. So let's hear it. Are you buying that Penn State will at least split with Michigan and Ohio State?
2: I'm, I'm buying that. Yeah, I think, you know, like the, the, the reality of beating Ohio State, it feels more realistic now than, than ever. And you look at what they've done, they haven't played with a lot of fear against Ohio State. And I think now they're, they're as close to even footing athletically as you can hope to be uh, against them. They are not afraid. They've had success. Players ha- ha- have experienced these positions where they've gotten close to the finish line, but not across it. I think beating Ohio State is a- as realistic as it's ever been. Uh, and I think beating Michigan uh, is something that they can do, especially since they're at home. You know, the-, the game script got away from them in a big way early last year. They couldn't got- kind of get their footing back. So I think if they get off to a faster start against Michigan, beating them at home uh, is another realistic thing. Uh, I just, I I don't see them losing both of these games. You know, I, I, I obviously anything is possible and they're both really, really good teams, but I think Penn state is good enough. I think they're confident enough. I think they've got enough swagger. I think they've got enough leadership and experience. They've got got enough talent. I mean, there's not an excuse. I think that justifies losing both of these games and I don't think they're going to, I think they at least split optimally in terms of timing. I think you'd rather lose to, Ohio state early on the road and finish off with what, what would it be? Six straight wins, including one presumably over a top five team uh, to finish the year. You're going to be, you're going to look like a pretty good candidate there. So if they lose to Ohio state and then Ohio state uh, loses to Michigan and Penn state beats Michigan, then you could have a real, a, a lot of fun there and uh, and getting at the big town championship game.
1: Yeah. that. I- will be fun. (laughs) It's going to be funny to watch as they go through tiebreakers if they each beat each other and each come away with one loss. I'm with you that I think those three teams, you could throw them in the hat and pick out a winner for these games. So I think they're all 50-50 games, and you give, I think, the home field team a bit of an edge. What I think is unfortunate is, even though Michigan is coming off two straight Big Ten championships, I think this season's Michigan team is as good as they've had in the Jim Harbaugh era. Unfortunately for Penn State, yeah. So it it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see will that home field advantage be enough. If I had to pick between the two games, I'd say yes, I'll take them Penn State over Michigan at home. Uh, versus yeah. the one at Ohio State, but you, you need to create but, big
2: plays. I mean, uh, you, you have you have to have some big strike ability that comes through early, so you make Michigan uncomfortable as early as you can. You know, if you get that crowd involved and you get Michigan's offense off the field their first couple of drives, and you create something whether that's on defense, special teams, or offense, now you're 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 putting together the right. Uh, the right roadmap to beating Michigan. If you just allow them to march, let's say, on their opening drive, even if it's three points, if they march and have success and establish themselves on the ground and you don't do anything to get off the field, that's a bad tone. you know. And I, I think, you know, to, in my eyes, that's kind of what it comes down to. The, the winner uh, establishes that tone early, and I like Penn State's ability to do that in front of their home crowd. And also what I don't like is that
1: small sample size coming to conclusions. Oh, Michigan blew them out last year. There you go. Michigan's the better team. And, you know, that's the case. I'm not I'm not convinced of that. I think it was a bad game. It was the only bad game, really, that the Penn State defense played last year. And, you know, it bit them. I, I, I just don't see that happening again this year. Dustin, here's one that I find interesting. Um, It's about Dante Cephas, the transfer wide receiver who came in. Here's the narrative last spring. Cephas is going to come in and be the number one wide receiver or 1A. Okay, that was the feeling. That was the narrative. And as recently as just a couple years ago, I saw a, a national writer doing his top 50 wide receivers And Dante Cephas was there like on the top half of that list and the only Penn State wide receiver. Now the question is, is he even one of the three best Penn State wide receivers? So are you buying that that Dante Cephas isn't, is not one of the three best wide receivers on this team?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm buying it right now. You know, I I think when you look at Dante Cephas, he was very, very productive uh, at Kent State and you t- can't take that away from him. but you look at what he does in his game, he's not that big, he's not that strong. he's not that he's not gonna blow you away with speed. And you know the fact that he was able to be so productive without being able to do that is impressive. but that is where you think about the jump in levels. You know, he doesn't have the premium physical tools. He's got all that experience. He's got, you know, the, the, the instinct and, and, and the, the tools for the position in terms of technique. But the acclimation, I think, is, is still ongoing. And I think you've got guys like Omari Evans and Caden Saunders as, as, to name two who have the physical tools that are premium and that are power five caliber and, and have them right now. Uh, they're making it a real competition and, and maybe, you know, Dante Cephas gets his legs under him and, and really figures this thing out. But I'm not sure that happens early in the season. I'm not positive it's going to happen at all. You know, Mitchell Tinsley was really good last year. Uh, he was more productive than Dante Cephas, uh, but he wasn't great. He wasn't like he was at Western Kentucky and you don't expect that. But I do think that the jump Uh, when you're when you're going from a group of five to power five and you're and you don't have a a premium tool to lean on you got it you got to get adjusted I think you got to adjust your expectations I think locally we've adjusted our expectations nationally I don't think they've caught up yet
1: I don't think so either but Dusty if he's not one of the top wide receivers does this tell you more about Dante Cephas or does this tell you more about some of the other Penn State receivers
2: uh, I I I mean I think it's a combination of both, but I would lean more towards Dante Cepas. You know the the veteran who's been so productive uh, in his college career. If he can't beat those guys out, like they deserve some credit. But I think it's also you got to respect uh, the adjustment level, the ability to to do this against big time athletes. Uh, it's not something you can take for granted.
1: I want to be glass half full and say it tells us more about the other Penn State wide receivers. We'll see though. Yeah. All we'll right, see. Dusty. That, that's it for quarter three. Stick around. We got more buy or sell coming in quarter number four. TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: We head to the homestretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And
1: welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Dusty. I'm Jim. It's quarter number four. Brought to you by our buddies at gopsurv.com. You know the story. You drive your own car there. They have an RV there ready and waiting for you. They have the shuttle to the games. You don't have to worry about any of that parking hassle. You get to tailgate all the way from Friday to Sunday. It's a lot of fun. Dusty and I have both. Uh, spent some games there it's a great way to spend the weekend at Happy Valley and just to announce a couple games the Indiana game and the Rutgers game they announced $400 off for either one of those games so check in with gopsurv.com or give them a call at 800-519-8467 okay Dusty we were playing some buy or sell in quarter number three and I'd like to continue it We were talking about Penn State at least winning one of those two games against Michigan and Ohio State. If they run the table otherwise and split, they will be 11-1. and So it leads to the obvious question, Dusty. Buy or sell, Penn State will make their first ever college football playoff. And by the way, this is their last shot at the 14 playoff.
2: And I think I think it's significant to to get in while it's still at four teams to go into the new playoff era saying hey we were a playoff team before it expanded I think there's there's some real merit to that and it's a real selling point uh, recruiting wise and things like that I I think a split gets it done you know I think going being eleven and one um, you know you're you you run the risk of depending on how things play out that you could be on the outside looking in of a, of a big 10 title game uh, bid, but we've seen that that doesn't matter so much. Now Penn state being 11 and one, it matters because one loss matters. Uh, I also kind of foresee that one, not being a blowout, you know, and that, that's something that, you know, Penn state very, very nearly got in at 10 and two, um, or I guess it was 11 and two, right? Uh, 11 and two, um, in 2016, nearly got in, uh, but the the loss to Michigan was a bad loss. So if they're 11 and one with a really good one, uh, maybe it's against another uh, playoff team. If it's Ohio State or Michigan, um, I think 11 and one gets gets them there. Um, and I think they're going to look good doing it. I think they're going to they're uh, pass the eye test. They're going to have explosive athletes. They're going to make a real impression on the committee, both in terms of what they see qualitatively and on, on paper what they've done quantitatively. I, th- I think that's going to be an outfit that's going to be a playoff team. Uh, I think it's happening.
1: And Dusty, it's interesting how we could kind of project an entire season and the thought process process being Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, they each play each other, could all split those games and be one and one in those losses and be, you know, what is it, 30 and 0 on the other 30, well, 33 and 0, I guess, and the other, you know, 33 games and all finish 11 and 1. And typically you would think, a power five team that finishes 11 and one with their only loss to an other, uh, to a team with one loss themselves, that should all three teams should be in the playoffs. If that were to occur, occur, yeah. you know, that will never happen, but could we actually, okay, I'll ask you the, this question. It's not on your list, Dusty, but I'm going to ask you <laughs> Yeah, those three teams. Other than playing each other, are they going to be
2: 33-0? Uh, it's a bad thing, right? Like, it's it's not it's not a good thing, especially when you're the only one that hasn't made the playoff before. Uh, you've been on the short end when you had a really good case to not be on the short end. You know, Ohio State pulls has a certain gravitational pull. You know, to fight against that, for Michigan to have been there last year, uh, Ohio state to have been there. Like uh, it, it, it's kind of a tough situation. Um I, I do think all three of these teams are good enough to be, but I, I think one of the three is going to suffer a second loss. I don't have their schedules in front of me to say for sure, but like, you know, Ohio state had a big letdown against what Purdue a few years ago. Uh Michigan's capable of having a, a letdown, I suppose, but uh, I think one of the three teams is going to suffer a second loss, but for all three to be 11 and one and for be splitting hairs, who's better and who's not, you know, unless one of those losses between the three teams is a blowout uh, that may, might make it a little easier uh, than I, I don't know.
1: Well, that is the, you know, maybe the tiebreaker to make the college football playoffs, but to win the big 10, I think the tiebreaker goes to the point of the record within the conference. So if they all finished 11 and 1, losing to each other and winning one against each other, they'll be undefeated in the Eastern half with the same teams played, you know, the Indiana, Rutgers, Michigan State. But the tiebreaker eventually will be the record of the teams in the West Virginia, in the Western Division. That you play, not you're out of conference schedule because Michigan plays like podunk you, although um, Ohio State, I believe, plays Notre Dame, irrelevant to the tiebreaker. Now, that shouldn't, you know, you could have if Michigan has the better record or the teams that they beat from the Western Division and they go to the conference championship game and win Big Ten winner, that'll probably mean something. But I think people might look at Ohio State and if they have a quality win against Notre Dame, that might mean something. So there's a different standard for the Big Ten Conference versus the college football playoffs. But to your point, you know, it's easy to say, oh, all three will be 11-1. and But if you think of it in terms, they've got to go 33-0 and against the rest. I don't know, Dusty. I don't know if that could happen or not.
2: I I know. I mean, and, and and this is what makes sports beautiful is that where's the unpredictable thing going to happen? Where is that thing going to happen? I think, you know, in in this conversation for Penn state to have uh, a home game against Iowa is is a good, is a good thing in terms of strength of schedule. If If that's a good Iowa team and they beat them at home, that, that helps. But yeah, you you the the more you talk about it, <laughs> the more you see a tiebreaker setting up. Uh the more it's like, man, Penn State's going to go 11 and 1 and get shut out of the playoff, aren't they? You know, like that it's <laughs> yeah. such a real possibility. That
1: you just have that feeling. It's kind of like being a Mets fan, Dusty. You just expect the worst to happen. Yeah. To All yeah. All right, let's move on. We got we got some more of these If they are going to make the playoffs, though, Dusty, big question mark is at quarterback. So are you buying or selling? Drew Aller will prove that he's the answer at quarterback.
2: Uh, I'm buying. I don't think it's going to take long either, to be honest. You know, like there, there's consistency, and there's being the guy on, on a drive-by-drive basis. There, there's being able to come back from throwing a bad pick or whatever. Uh, there's the inexperience that that other teams are going to try to exploit. I think there's gonna there's some things where he's going to have a bit of a learning curve, but uh, I just think mentally he has it, and physically he has it. Uh, I I th- I think he is the answer. I don't think it's going to be long into the season before you're like, okay, yeah, he is the answer. Uh, he's going to have to make some plays against you know big time teams, but I I I love his temperament so much. Um, I, I I think he's got the ideal temperament for the job. Where I do sincerely believe that good for better or worse, he, he's able to put the last play behind him and focus on the play uh, ahead of him. So I think. I th- I think it's going to I think it's going to be proven early. I'll
1: tell you what I really like about him Dustin is when he was in high school as an underclassman, he was not highly rated. He worked to make himself better. He made the improvements necessary and there's a lot of talk about he had his personal quarterback coach. That was him putting in the time to get better. When he, he first got to Penn State in the spring, nobody was raving about him. But from spring to fall in 22, he made enough improvement to become number two. That tells me he did the work to get better again. So it just feels like to me he's a kid who's willing to do the work, do the things that it takes to get better. I'm buying that also. Here's an interesting one, Dusty, and I'm the credit to you. You put these together. Are you buying or selling? That King Mac will be Penn State's most impressive true freshman.
2: Uh, I love uh, King Mac, and I think he's going to play in year one. But I think it's going to feel like um, Cam Miller or something like that from last year, where it's like he played more than four games, and he was a he was an important guy in in the in the depth chart in that in that way. But there's, there's just not enough stats to really back that up. And it might end up being the special teams is, is his primary thing. He's going to be a really versatile chip. He's an explosive athlete. He's super fast. Uh, Terry Smith said recently he, he's probably the future at the nickel position, which we know how important that is. So unless you see Daquan Hardy go down, I don't know that his, his role is going to be shiny enough to get there as much as I love him, as much as I think that he could be maybe that, that, you know, end up being the best defender from, from the 23 class. I don't think his role is going to be big enough to be that guy. As much as I want to say, yes,
1: I know he's your guy. I'm stunned by your answer there, Dusty. And the fact is to make a difference, you also have to get the opportunity. Last year, there were opportunities for players like Nick Singleton and Abdul Carter that was the big difference. I think there's a lot of talent among the freshman class. Not sure that they're going to get that opportunity. Um, here's an interesting one. I, do you buy or sell J.B. Nelson in the end will play more snaps than Landon Tengwall? And I know you and I have both been Landon Tengwall guys for a while.
2: I'm still a Landon Tengwall guy. I don't really sit at this point of, of training camp. You know, feeling all warm and fuzzy because they're just, ha- you know, the the silence, I think, has been deafening uh, about Landon Tangwall. And there's been a lot of good things being said about J.B. Nelson by the coaching staff and by others. But I am selling. I think Landon Tangwall stays healthy enough to really hold that job down. And that's what they want to happen. Uh, they would love to have J.B. Nelson be that flex guy who can who can back up and play, uh, you know, multiple positions. I'm selling As much as I I am kind of buying the J.B. Nelson love, though, I think that's a good thing ultimately for Penn State's offensive line.
1: I think it just comes down to health. Is Landon Tengwa healthy enough? That's the only thing that will hold him back. And I think if he is healthy, him, Fashionu on the left side of the line, I think I really want to see that. Dusty, that is it, though. We are done with quarter four, done with our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show.